Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, and whatever part of the day you're in. I sure do appreciate y'all joining me, giving me a little bit of your time. I know y'all have, as I say often, many of the things that you could be doing, and I'm grateful that you spend a little time with me here. We're going to sit on the porch. I'm sure you can hear in the background the dogs that act like they're starving to death. You just fed them. You really would. You would think that they haven't eaten in years. And it's been 24 hours at most, probably more like 12. And that's assuming that my girls didn't come out here and feed them in between. Pretty good actors, really. And I would label them as welfare recipients if they didn't keep the possums and raccoons and bobcats out of the chicken coop at night. So I am grateful for that. Summer has come back with a vengeance. I don't like it at all. I don't understand you people that enjoy summer. I was born and bred to it, but I I certainly favor fall. Maybe some of y'all do too. At any rate, Thank y'all always for those of y'all that continue to share the podcast, tell other people about it. I'm very grateful for that. That's how it spreads for sure. Uh, We're having another pretty good month. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to record the podcast and for the people that listen and share it. Give me the words you want me to speak. We'll get going. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to do this in one podcast. Um, We may do it in two, or we may just do what we get to and then come back another day. One of the things that really is condemning, when you start to read the words of our founders, what they've left behind, is their intense desire, recommendation, that's a really bad word for it, but they read the Bible. They knew the Bible, Old Testament and New. It was part of their, for a huge chunk of them, it was a big part of their daily life, prayer, reading the Bible. Uh, I, I would say, I think for most of us, if we're honest, um, for ourselves and and for our nation as a whole, that is not even remotely true anymore. And and you see the consequences of that in marriages. We have men that no longer have any idea how to be a husband, a man, a real man. Um, We have women that have no idea what it means to truly be a wife and a lady. And and then we pass that on to our kids and, and they don't know either. And... Just a little side note here. You hear this in the background. This is my mosquito repellent. I I think that may be one of the questions I have for God someday. Is mosquitoes really? Why? I mean, I get, you know, spreading diseases, population control, whatever arguments you want to make there, but I just, I don't, I don't see any point in mosquitoes. Anyway, so we're going to read through some of these founders that theoretically were just random deists according to the left and 
secularist and at best deist, and they really despised Christianity and didn't want anything to do with it in our public sphere. Uh, and, and the cynicism required the level to think that these men were all only using this to gain political power is just a bridge way too far. And the idea that they would this strongly follow the principles and teachings and adhere to them, try to, not perfectly, not perfectly. And that, that's one of the arguments that the left makes. Oh, they were, they were, you know, Jefferson was a lecher, Washington was in debt. Right, because anybody's perfect. No, Jesus Christ, I can talk to you about the only man that was perfect. Well, I'm not him. I'm going to make some mistakes. I'm sure some of y'all have probably caught some on this podcast already. And when you do, you tell me about them. And, and I will do the best I can to redress that situation. But our founders did hold to the principles of Jesus Christ. And so to pretend that they didn't, or to pretend that they so strongly held to them in their private lives and then wanted nothing to do with Jesus Christ in our public lives is just, that's just, I just, I can't help but think that that's, foolhardy in, in the extreme or malevolent. You know, there's some there's some vile intentions there. So we'll start reading through these. We'll see how far we get. We're going to start with actually a verse out of Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 21. And, and, and this kind of gives you the background for why our founders thought this was so important. You shall therefore impress these words of mine. This is God talking to the Israelites. You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall teach them to your sons. Talking of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk along the road. And when you lie down. And when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on the gates so that your days and the days of your sons may be multiplied on the land. So, you know, God was telling us, hey, you need this. This needs to be on your heart more than the latest stats from the latest MLB game or the latest injury and in football or basketball or volleyball stats or or the binge watching the best new series on netflix or prime or hulu or you know the latest real trend or tiktok trend or how many snaps you got back and forth etc etc he's telling us this is what you need to focus on and you need to focus on it every day when you get up when you work needs to be part of your life. You need to teach it to your children, your sons and your daughters, because they're talking about sons here, folks, but he means sons, means encompasses men and women. You, you, you need to talk about this because this is what's going to extend your life. He didn't say it's going to make life easy. He didn't say life would be free of trouble, but, but it would extend your life meaning it would give you life, it would fill you with life, and the nation follows. Benjamin Rush, who we talk about frequently here, uh, father of public schools under the Constitution, you know, you really want to talk about public schools and how bad we've gone off track, this is about to do it for you. And we, 
we really could come back and just do a podcast on this alone. And, and we will. We have before a little bit. And we'll come back to it again. But I just want to give you a reference in, in regard to how our founders viewed. Rush is considered one of the greatest of our founders, by the way, Dr. Benjamin Rush. I promised to give you my reasons for preferring the Bible as a school book to all other compositions. I shall assume the five following propositions. One, that Christianity is the only true and perfect religion, and that in proportion as mankind adopt its principles and obey its precepts, they will be wise and happy. Two, that a better knowledge of this religion is to be acquired by reading the Bible than in any other way. Three, that the Bible contains more knowledge necessary to man in his present state than any other book in the world. Four, that knowledge is most durable and religious instruction most useful when imparted in early life. And five, that the Bible, when read in schools, is seldom read in when I'm sorry, when not read in schools, is seldom read in any subsequent period of life. My arguments in favor of the use of the Bible as a school book are founded in the constitution of the human mind. That last one, folks, I will stop on it for a minute. I think that's pretty damning. I think the left really, a lot of the left knows this. They know if they can just get kids away. You know, that was one of the principles that Dewey brought back from Stalinist Russia was the, the really the purpose of education was to separate public education in a socialist communist country was to separate children from their families and from God uh, in the reverse order there. Uh, and that we're doing a pretty good job. You know, our, our kids, bare minimum today, kids go to school for seven and a half to eight hours, bare minimum, assuming no extracurricular activities in middle school or high school or even elementary, what, what ones are there. Uh, the school year gets longer, longer, longer. The school day gets longer. And and that takes kids away. That makes the teachers and the school and the principal the primary caregivers in a lot of regards. Whether you think that's right or wrong, that's that's the way it is right now with public education in America. And so this fifth point, he says, that if, if kids, if you don't read it early in life, then you really don't read it in subsequent chapters of your life. That's not by accident, folks. The memory is the first faculty which opens in the minds of children. Of how much consequence, then, must it be to impress it with the great truths of Christianity before it is preoccupied with less interesting subjects? There is a peculiar aptitude in the minds of children for religious knowledge. I have constantly found them in the first six or seven years of their lives more inquisitive upon religious subjects than upon any others. And an ingenious instructor of youth has informed me that he has found young children more capable of receiving just ideals upon the most difficult tenets of religion than upon the most simple branches of human knowledge. It would be strange if it were otherwise, for God creates all his means to suit all his ends. We are subject by a general law in our nations to what is called habit. Now, if the study of the scriptures be necessary to our happiness at any time of our life, the sooner we begin and read them, the more we shall be attached to them. I mean, we're going to go through some more 
because I want to make sure that we get to some different ones, but we could just stick there for a long time, folks. Just that little excerpt. And this is, this is all based on a paper that Rush wrote about making the Bible the principal text in schools and public schools. So again, the idea that our country was not founded as a Christian nation, that our, that our founders wanted Christianity out of our institutions, particularly the education of our children. Uh, it's just ludicrous. I mean, this is the father of public education in a constitution, constitutional public education in America. Just like Fisher Ames, the guy that actually wrote the First Amendment, said that the purpose of the First Amendment was not to equalize all religions. They weren't equal. Christianity was the one true religion. That's the way our founders saw it. That's the way they acted upon it. They gave, they knew that people had to have religious freedom, but they also knew that if we acted the way we're acting today, we would lose our republic. And we are. We are. We're doing exactly that. Let me see if I can get back here. So I had another pretty good bit from Rush. And I'll try, I'll come back to it. Maybe we'll stick on this for a while. But I'm going to go to a quote by John Quincy Adams, one of our early presidents. My custom is to read four or five chapters every morning, immediately after rising from my bed. It employs about an hour of my time and seems to me the most suitable manner of beginning the day. Real interesting, if you know anything about John Quincy Adams, he was ardent, ardent abolitionist, fought for it his entire life, often became ostracized in later political years because he, he came back and I think he was a representative. I can't remember, folks. Sadly, I'm ashamed. A senator, representative. We've talked about it on this podcast before, but uh, after being president. And so he fought against slavery, right, which which the left claims to champion that cause today. And yet he's telling you here that one of these great, and there's many, 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 vast majority of the abolish, abolitionists were Christian. And, and he's saying, I spend all this time in the Bible every day. It's, it's necessary. And yet somehow, again, we're supposed to believe that we're supposed to kick the Bible completely to the curb. That's just it's not true, folks. Patrick Henry, the great orator, give me liberty or give me death. It, meaning the Bible, is a book worth more than all the other books that were ever printed, all the other books, which would include every single secular and theologic book ever written, every book ever written. And Patrick Henry, one of our great starters, instigators, whatever you want to call it, of the revolution is saying, this one, this one's more important, worth more than all the other books combined. But yet again, we're supposed to believe that the Bible is not supposed to be the primary textbook in every class in public education. We're supposed to take money from public taxpayers to fund education, but that education no longer strengthens the country. It weakens it. It should. Public education is a phenomenal institute. It's a necessary institute. It's needed. You have to have an educated citizenry. Our, our founders knew that in order for the republic to survive. A lot of great administrators, I know quite a few of them, and, and counselors and teachers, coaches. You can go find some folks. You, you can't make evil all the people associated with public education today like some trying to do. The problem, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of bad teachers, coaches, administrators, counselors. 
Uh, maybe more so than in other professions. Maybe not. I don't know. But there's a lot of good ones too. And the difference between this and other institutions, companies, businesses, is this is actually necessary. We need this for our children, for our country, for our nation. But we've got to fix the system or we've got to trash it and start over, folks, whichever. But, but the way it's going right now, we're doing more damage, more harm than good. Rush again. The Bible contains more knowledge necessary to man in his present state than any other book in the world. By renouncing the Bible, philosophers swing from their moorings upon all moral subjects. It is the only correct, correct map of the human heart that ever has been published. There's a great point here, folks. You know, a lot of times people say, well, so you're saying that you can't have a, a Buddhist or a Muslim or a Hindu that acts morally. No, no, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying it's impossible to act morally, which our founders did, which Rush is saying here, without following those principles of Christ. There are parts of other religions and philosophies that follow the principles of Christ without acknowledging it. But yeah, and so those actions are moral. But the only place to get all of those actions lined up together is from the Son of God as illustrated and illuminated in the Bible. And, and so what we've done is we've taken that away from our children. And again, then we wonder why marriages and families and homes and education and children are falling apart. One or two more here, folks. The mosquitoes are starting to carry me away anyway. The Bible is the best of all books, for it is the word of God and teaches us the way to be happy in this world and in the next. Continue, therefore, to read it and to regulate your life by its precepts. John Jay, president of the Constitutional or Continental Congress, author of the Federalist Papers, and oh, by the by, first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. The Bible is the best of all books, for it is the word of God. Continue, therefore, to read it and regulate your life by its precepts. But the Supreme Court in 1947 decided that Jefferson's separation of church and state meant that we had to kick God out of our public life. And really what, what, what they really want, the socialist communist end, is to kick God out of our private lives as well. You see that illustrated in Stalinist Russia, Maoist China. got quite a few more folks I think though that's about all we've got so we'll come back to it I don't know if we'll do another part tomorrow or we'll come back to it in a week or so but just phenomenal and this is as with so many other things this is just barely scratching the surface um, our country as a Christian nation was born that way I should say and and if we don't get back to that before everything else, before who we elect, before whatever decisions, policy decisions we make, if we don't put God back in the center of our lives and really in our, in our, our marriages, our, our individual lives, our marriages, and the lives of our children, including via education, it's over. And, uh, and the, the clock is definitely ticking, folks. We've got a fight coming, almost assuredly. 
it just depends on on how we enter that fight and how we fight execute that fight uh, what our what I mean by that is what our moral pinning are what what you know what's the basis what's the center of it are we holding to God like our founders did including during the revolution or are we going our own way and, and leaving God and wandering closer to darkness God bless y'all God bless your families God bless America remember your sphere of influence haven't talked about that in a while we'll come back to it from Patrick Henry We'll talk to y'all again real soon. God bless America, if I didn't say that again. <laughs> and y'all and your families.